Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Week 10, NFL is upon us. I've been looking forward to getting into talking about this card all freaking week. The fact that it's finally podcast time, I'm so excited. I'm fired up about the NFL in general. We kind of enter a nice little run of the season here where we just have awesome stuff to talk about when it comes to handicapping football for like four weeks in a row. We're going to bring you some spectacular guests, some of the best we've had over the course of the of the life of this podcast, some of the best guys we've uh, we brought on to do season previews. We're going to bring them all back in to, uh, to circle back around and uh, touch on some of the stuff we were super correct about and uh, ignore some of the stuff we were super wrong about. Uh, and uh, with that, welcome to the deep dive for week 10. None other than Mr. Jay Cryer. How are we doing tonight, Jay? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you guys having me back on the show. Right on. Uh, Jay, obviously famous from his uh, college game, Jay, uh, college preview podcasts, also uh, was oh, with sure. us to handicap the... Uh, <laughs> was with Those were fun. Us. Those were super fun. Uh, he was us to handicap the, uh, uh, the AFC West and the NFC South. Um, and I guess being a college game, Jay, uh, let's get your thoughts a little bit on uh, how the college football playoff is shaping up we had kind of a defining game last week with bama absolutely crucifying the lsu tigers in death valley uh that has sort of kind of left me looking at the way things shake out and i'm kind of looking like okay so bama clemson part four uh is is that a fair you know encapsulation of the way the season sits right now and is there any reason to watch college football between now and when we get to that uh, championship game well, there's there's a ton of uh, awesome you know conference uh, conference like fights right now that are ongoing. Whether you know you're looking at the Big Twelve or um, you know maybe even what essentially could involve Bama, the SEC championship, and the Pac-12. Even though it sort of had a down year, um, you know there's going to be a uh, whether or not Wazoo can run the table and sort of put themselves in. And the Big Ten obviously is going to shape up well. But um, the two teams that I was high on going into the year, obviously Bama and Clemson. And even when I look at the playoff picture now, those are sort of the two teams that I've circled as I feel these are almost a certainty to be in the college football playoff um, at this point in time. So for me, uh, you know, I I think we are going to see those two play each other. Um, Hopefully it's the national title game for the fourth time, but um, I, you know, maybe, maybe there's a scenario where, you know, one of them falls out to, you know, fourth and the other one's first but um hopefully we get to see it uh at some point and i have a feeling we will yeah bama clemson four seems inevitable to me but uh what do i know it i'm an nfl handicapper uh, that sucks uh, me... because, because like michigan bama would be good too but that's probably like if, if things shake out the way it looks like it might shake out that's probably a semifinal. yeah probably and uh and i guess it's kind of crowded uh, at the bottom of those four spots, like there's kind of a lot of teams that could work their way into the last, you know, the other two semifinalists there. Um, I guess a question for, uh, for Jay is Michigan, uh, gonna, gonna work their way. I guess if Michigan wins out and wins the big 10, uh, I guess if Michigan beats Ohio state and wins the big 10 championship, uh, are they a lock for, uh, one of the semifinal spots? 
Oh, absolutely. If they win out, I, I think, you know, they're going to add to the resume. And I, I just don't see a scenario um, where, you know, someone would leapfrog them to get in. Um, they do have probably the, the toughest game left is at Ohio State on November 24th. That is, you know, pretty much going to be um, their play-in game for the college football playoff, in my mind. I, you know, obviously, they'll, if they win that game, the Big Ten title game, um, you know, they could play a number of teams, could be Northwestern. Um, there's some other teams that kind of moved into the fold, but um, it's not this, you know, undefeated Wisconsin team that everyone thought it was going to be. Um, so I, I don't think that game looks nearly as daunting, especially with as strong as their defense is. Um, but, you know, at Ohio State, that's a tough game for them. Uh, that's the biggest game of the year. That's the game that these two teams circle at the beginning of the year. They know. Um, it's going to be for the marbles and, and it just so happens that it is this year. So um, that's, that's the game that I think they could trip up on um, that, that could hurt them. So I, I'm definitely not, um, you know, I, I, I think there's a good chance that they slip up um, whether it's that Ohio State <laughs> game or, or the big guy. This happens every year where I'm you're, laughing you're looking I was at it. Just going to ask that, but go ahead. <clears throat> no, but I mean, every year, there's a team like, for instance, Notre Dame right now, you know, obviously the Syracuse game looms large for them because Syracuse kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but, you know, they still have to play at USC. They have to play Cuse at home. I think it's very well possible they trip up as well. And so it, mm. it seems like every year about the time you look at a schedule and you're like, oh, man, these are easy games. They're going to roll in. They're definitely going to be in the college football playoff. There's an upset every week. I mean, last week we had one. Obviously, it was guaranteed because we had one playing three. But, you know, I I could see, you know, the trip up happening, you know, again, maybe Clemson loses at Boston College this week. I know they're laying 20 on the road, but, you know, Boston College has everything in front of them right now. They play that game. They win. Um, you know, they could be That's an a, easy game. Night game up again. north. That's not easy. But yeah, and and – so, I mean, that, that is everything for Boston College. So, you know, it could be that game this week. It could be Syracuse against Notre Dame next week. And then it could be Ohio State beating Michigan the week after that. And then it's, you know, pandemonium again. Like it is, like it has been every year of the college football playoffs. So um, I, I'm guessing that of those three things, you know, we probably see at least one happen, maybe two. Andy, we, you, uh, we do, you got to feel this, for... Yeah, we, we do this every year. It's like, oh, man, what if all these teams stay undefeated? That's going to be bad. And then, like, a week later, three of them lose. <laughs> like, there's, it is honestly, always we, happens. We always have this. And I guess last year there was, a, you know, we did kind of get to a scenario where it was a little dicey there heading into the conference championship games. We said, you know, if, if this happens in the Big Ten, what are we going to do with Bama? Mm-hmm. And granted, I mean, it, a lot of depends on how you feel about which team, you know, should it be the best teams, the best seasons, or like, should it be the four best teams or the four teams that are most likely to be the most competitive against each other? Because so many people say, like, oh, Bama shouldn't be in, and then Bama's in, and they open as the clear favorite over the other three teams. Like, <laughs> it was pretty apparent Bama should have been in last year. I completely I, agree. I don't, I just don't see any chance that Bama slips up. That they're, I mean, they're almost a lock. Okay, it's well, let me ask really, you. It's okay, really so tough let's let's so put like, let's put Bama in the category by themselves, and let's talk about the rest of this because I'm just curious how if there's any money to be made in in kind of backing some sort of cake. Because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a college football. I'm, 
I'm a college football chaos titian. I just want crazy shit to happen. I really don't care. I just want some entertaining. I, I like to be on my couch in the as winter is coming and uh, drinking, you know, my dark my dark liquor drinks and just watching the chaos unfold on Twitter as as people get upset and and people are fighting over who should be in the playoff because that's it's a it's a yearly tradition and I, I love it and I want that again this year. Uh, Andy, do you have a feel of? Uh, you know, whether Ohio State can play spoiler to Michigan? It is in Columbus. That's tough. And like they Jay said. Spoiler, they played spoiler last year against Wisconsin, right? Yeah. No, that was uh, – that probably that probably was for the best. Wisconsin was a really shitty undefeated team last year. Like that – that's how that needed to go, I think, for, ev- for everyone's benefit. But, yeah, they – it, it, and it will be spoiler, like Jay said. If if Michigan runs the table, you'd have wins over Scotty, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and then just a tough close loss real early in the season to, I mean, maybe an undefeated playoff team. Which and that that's true. Like the the Syracuse thing, like I'd see that way way more likely than you know any fuckery in US the USC game. Mm, and okay. maybe maybe that's to maybe the Notre Dame's benefit too. They don't have a conference championship game, so and I guess really does Michigan either? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not to take play? anything away. I mean, they barely beat Northwestern Ohio? at Northwestern, but um, I yeah, like Jay. Who do you think comes out of the West real quick? Instant prediction in the uh, the Big, Big Ten. Ten. In the Big Ten. Oh, sorry. Um, well, I think right now, you know, Northwestern kind of has the control of their own destiny, but, um, but I, I don't know. I, there, there could be sort of some fuckery there, um, you know, where maybe you, you end you up go to Iowa. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, it's not going to be a team that I'm going to put a lot of stock in against because <laughs> like Michigan, if it ends up being them, but I, you know, I, I Northwestern has control their own destiny. Wisconsin's obviously still alive. Purdue's four and two in conference. So, um, you know, I, man, it, it's it's really weird what's happened in that division as well as the Pac-12 South. I mean, that is just an absolute dumpster fire. I think I think every team has three losses in the Pac-12 South right now. Wow. Um, so it's it's uh, yeah. So um, you know, I I think that's probably the trip up game for Michigan is Ohio state. I don't think it would be the big 10 title game if they end up cruising in. Um, but like I said, I, I think there's going to be um, some things happen here at the end that are going to open the door for whether it's like the big 12 champion, or maybe somehow we talk about, you know, an LSU team with two off LSU team that doesn't even play in the title game of the SEC. Maybe somehow they can get in or if Washington <sighs> state runs the table, I think Washington state has life if they run the table. Wow. Okay. It's, ca- okay. it's kind of aft here because like Bama is heads and tails better than everyone. They've showed that, but I'd say like, if you had to, if you had to give me like, who's the absolute lock to make the playoff, like Clemson's got to be ahead of Bama. Just because they have, like the 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 ACC is so bad, and it's it sucks because like people rag on Clemson, and maybe like we won't know how good Clemson really is because of how bad the ACC is. But they they can't help it, you know. They they're playing their conference games. They they scheduled A and M, like you you can only play who you're scheduled, and they'll play a conference championship game. 
And it's just, it's rough, man, because the ACC, like you said, the, the closest thing they have to a trip up game left, they're almost a three touchdown favorite on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let me ask if, uh, if, if, uh, Ohio state plays spoiler and, uh, um, Michigan loses, uh, does that open the door for the big 12 champ? Uh, and who would that be? Well, so Oklahoma, West Virginia have some interesting paths. They, they play each other in Morgan, Morgantown, um, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it might be a Friday game. Um, so that'll be a good one to watch, but, um, they, they play, so they play there and they could potentially play again. There's scenarios where they play back to back weeks in the big 10 or big 12 title game after playing their final game of the year against each other. So, um, you know, I think if, you know, Oklahoma were to win in Morgantown and then get, get a play either them or Texas and win that game, it would be really hard if Georgia loses the SEC title game and Michigan loses, it would be really hard to leave them out. Um, and West Virginia, conversely, West Virginia, if they win that game, and they and West Virginia has a couple other tough games as well in their schedule. They still have to play TCU and Oklahoma State. I could see those as potential trip up games for them. But so you know, the long path for both of those teams. But if one of them runs the table, they're going to be getting some awesome resume wins. And you know, they could eat, you know Georgia falls out, Michigan falls out. I think that's sort of how the door swings open for them. Um, but those two teams could cannibalize each other, especially if they play back to back weeks. Maybe West Virginia wins at home. And they end up playing Oklahoma in the big Big Twelve title game, and then they lose to Oklahoma on a neutral court or neutral field. So I, you know, mm-hmm. to me, um, they could cannibalize each other, and that's where you potentially maybe see an open door for an Ohio State of the world or a Washington State or an LSU. Got it. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay. Well, let's come back uh, a little bit away from the uh, the kind of the total chaos and uh, just to a complete what would like what would melt down the internet <laughs> like like uh and i gotta give uh, our buddy joey uh, nish credit for the first person i saw that uh you know put put fingers to keypad to type this out um andy do you happen to have the details of this full-on uh internet meltdown scenario Oh, I'm trying to find that, but this guy, he tweets a lot. So <laughs> he puts a lot of, he puts a lot out there. I He's a prolific to, tweeter. That's true. I, I would it's have true. to, I'd have to scooch back a little here, but basically yeah, I think, I think it was Bama yeah. losing in the title game to Georgia after, to Georgia after George. And then like uh Michigan running the table. All right, let's say, here it is. Let's say Notre Dame, Clemson and Michigan all went out. And then Georgia beats twelve and zero Alabama in the SEC title game. Who gets left out? It is a that is a that is a uh, honestly. I'd keep beauty. if if I'm doing it, I'd probably just keep Georgia out, even though even they if just they win, win the SEC, SEC yeah. title. Say, oh my goodness, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be fire. Uh, I guess but, it kind of depends on how they win the SEC. If they if they uh, squeak out a lucky win, yeah, you could you could potentially see them get left be a out. Hilarious right? move on the part of the committee. Oh man, interesting, interesting. Jay, what would you predict would happen in that scenario? So this this is taking into account that Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan all run the table as well. Yep. Yeah, right, right. So you got so twelve and 13 and Notre Dame, twelve and one. Right, undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Clemson. Those are two shoe ins. Michigan, Big Ten champ, only lost to Notre Dame. Uh, and then what do you do for the fourth spot? 
Or do you leave Michigan out? Shoot the hostage. <laughs> well, that's that. I think I think that's I think that's the situation that that would probably. It, I think Bama's in. I, I don't think they because Bama has two more rank. They play three ranked opponents down the stretch here. They they still have to play Mississippi State. Um, uh, someone is escaping me right now at the tip of my tongue. But they they play three ranked opponents before the season's over. So if they they win those two games. They even continue to build their resume. Then if they lose, you know, even if they were to lose maybe by 10 or double digits or something, you know, completely unforeseen, I think Bama's in, you know, Georgia's loss looks worse, but they did win the SEC. Um, you know, Bama, what they did to LSU was just, you know, they dismantled them on the road. Um, I, I think they find a way to put Bama in, and I think the question would then be between Georgia and uh, Big Ten Michigan. champion Michigan team. Yeah. I think I think that would be the question, um, and it would be really hard to leave the SEC champion out. Um, I, I, man, I that would be that would be the Armageddon situation. <laughs> that I, would I don't, be so rough. They would probably. <laughs> I'd say. Well, there's difference between what I would do and what I think the committee would do, and I think in that situation, Georgia and Bama get in, and they leave Michigan out which is tough because I think at this point in the season, even though they lost to them, Michigan is better than Notre Dame right now. Absolutely if, agree. If you made them replay that agree. game, if you made them replay you, that game yeah. especially neutral yeah. or up in Ann Arbor, but that's tough because just, you can't have them all, which I don't, we don't want to have to get into that whole thing, but it probably should be an eight team. Yeah. And you know, the, I, I there'll be, there are probably some Notre Dame fans that listen to this podcast. I'm not a Notre Dame fan. Uh, the fact that they're not in a conference is their own fault. The fact that they won't be playing on conference uh, championship Saturday is their own fault. Uh, and uh, if I kind of, even if they're undefeated and if Michigan has continually improved and wins, I would agree with you. I think the Michigan's the better team and you should go, you go uh, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan in that case. And Notre Dame should stay you know, home. Will and we play a chance- on conference championship weekend. Who's that? The Akron Zips. <laughs> <laughs> they can, they're going to reschedule a game and play it that weekend. South Carolina Akron. Oh, okay, nice, 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 nice. Um, well, that's right. I, uh, I don't know why I couldn't think case. of it, but it, they play they play Auburn, Mississippi State, so they still have two ranked opponents, both at home in Tuscaloosa and Georgia. So, man, I I, I don't think it's going to happen. But if that did happen, that's how the door opens for an eighteen playoff for sure. We would have it right away. That might be my favorite part of the SEC this year is the title game is already scheduled. Like both teams have two weeks left, three weeks left because there can't be a change. It's amazing. That's just just who's going to play. That's amazing. I can't remember it being situated this early either. Um, Okay. Well, good stuff. I appreciate you filling me in so I can be better prepared to enjoy the month of November in college football. Uh, what do you make of, uh, college basketball getting started, Jay? Oh man. I mean, it's just like the best time of the year, right? You've got football is is football starting to get. Yeah. I mean, you got, you have college football playoff rankings coming out, playoff positioning, you know, teams are jockeying for playoff positioning in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got like champions classic college basketball last night and it, it was a little disappointing, um, you know, obviously with the Duke just completely dominating Kentucky. But, um, you know, this is like my favorite time of the year. I, I, I just sort of like the fanboy in me just sort of starts geeking out. 
Um, but I, I'm really excited about it because because my college football team and my NFL team uh, are sort of sucking wind um, with horrible coaches right now. You know, to me, it I'm just investing myself in college basketball and and just handicapping and trying to win as much money as possible. So um, it, it's good and bad, I guess, in that situation. But um, I, I'm just really excited. You know, I, I sent out some futures yesterday. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're getting going and, um, you know, I'm just excited, man. I, I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost before I'm a handicapper of college basketball. I just think that there's no better sport to bet out there than, than college hoops. And um, I'm just, you know, head over heels excited right now. Okay. Well, give us a little insight onto your process uh, in terms of how you go about handicapping a day's card. And I guess, do you look for lines the night before? Do you get up early? And that's the first thing you're thinking about is, let's see what these lines look like, how they moved, uh, what are some key injuries, what are some key key situational spots I'm going to try to take account of? Like, what what's a, a general, like, uh, you know, average day in the month of November, like handicapping college basketball? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're betting college basketball and you're not looking at the lines as soon as they come out the night before, um, you need to reevaluate the way you're doing it because you 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 have to look at it the night before and and start you know it, whether it's a for me it's a lean process where I well you know let's say we have a huge card tomorrow I may have 20 different leans that I like whether it's you know totals ATS whatever I, I, you start with the lean process try to anticipate some line movement. You almost have to in college basketball. And, you know, this happened on opening night, but I sent out plays the night before and the two overs I was on jumped up nine points each by the time, by pretty much the next morning, 9am, you know, it, it had already jumped up nine points. So, you know, I, part of that may have been a little bit of overzealousness that, Hey, the season's starting. There's a ton of games opening night and, you know, people just are betting them like crazy, but um, you know, you you have if you think that you you've got an over that everyone's and one of them was like Citadel over right and this is one of the highest possession teams they have the most possessions in a game than any other team in D1 basketball by a long shot so you know when I when that total came out and it was nowhere near like 180 or 171 which is what I had it at and it comes out at 160 you know I have you have to know that that's going to get bet up and you have to bet that early and if you don't bet it early. Um, you know, you'll, you'll start either, either you don't play it, you second guess yourself, or you end up just playing one of the worst numbers out there. And then you put yourself in a situation where, you know, your gut instinct was right, but you waited too long and you ended up getting burned because you got a poor number. So, um, you know, you have to, you, you have to look at it early. Um, sometimes if you, if you're anticipating line movement that might actually help you, um, you know, whether you think it's going to be a public dog situation or a favorite that everyone's going to be running to bet because they looked really good the game before, um, you know, and you're kind of liking the underdog in that situation. If you're a situational capper, um, you have to sort of anticipate some line movement because sometimes you can wait, get better numbers. Um, and sometimes you need to jump on them early to make sure that you, you end up going to the table with the best number. I love it. I love it. Beating the market is is as important in college basketball as any other uh, sport, or more important even. I I feel like college football and college basketball. Sometimes you just see, especially totals, you can see just insane line movement. I mean, NFL, yeah, you know, NFL. I feel like if you have like 
um, a total move by six or seven, like that's a talking point, you know, that's a huge oh, number. Yeah. That's, that's that, rare. I, I can't even really think yeah. of any, I, there's been maybe two games all season where that's happened. Yeah. And in college football, that happens a dozen times a weekend, you know, I, I, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, it, it can happen more than that. And in college basketball, you know, it, it can happen a lot. I mean, obviously with like, you know, I think this year there are over 350, you know, D1 teams, uh, obviously not all of them get lined, but you can have, you know, Saturdays where, you know, you're looking at a hundred line games or, um, you know, or, or upwards of 75 line games. So, you know, when that happens, um, you, you just, you can see line movement happen. It's more prevalent. It's more, it just happens. It's something you have to be able to, to accept and, and move on if it moves away from you um, or decide if, if you think you really love the play, reinvest and, and double up on a play where you may, you know, have like minus, uh, five and a half, like I did on Kansas last night and got burned where it went down to four during the day. And I, I sat there saying, should I bet it again? Because I love this side. <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously, uh, they don't, they miss a lot of free throws and, and I end up, uh, getting hooked opening night, and, you know, but a lot of people who bet it in the morning who followed me, um, that tailed me last night, a lot of them ended up cashing. So, you know, um, yeah. good for them. I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, hopefully I'm one of the, the few losers who tailed that play, but, um, but you know, you, you, there, it's just more prevalent. You just see a lot more line movement, um, with college basketball, but, um, you know, uh, I think you just have to, you know, establish that you like these many plays and, and try to really dwindle it down and not, not go too crazy, especially in the early part of the season, you know, try to reduce your plays as much as possible. Make sure you <laughs> sort of have some, some statistical data, um, and, uh, and try to take it to your advantage. And then obviously for college basketball, once conference play comes around, that's where I really feel like you can take it to the books because you have a, a serious opportunity if teams are playing for a second time or you, they have common opponents where you can kind of look at a bunch of different statistical data that you couldn't have looked at before conference play. I like that. Um, quick question. I was, I was just going to like what he led off with there, too. I was just going to say your first step has to be just crossing off half the card because it's there's cool. so many games. There's just so many games. There's games where or there's days where there's over a hundred games. You'll have that. So there'll be Saturdays like that, where you, you really just got to start whittling things down in a hurry. How about uh, when uh, the uh, preseason or early season tournament starts and there's like day games, don't I have to bet every single standalone day game? Well, I mean, you do. <laughs> no, but, but man, I, I love, I love championship week. Is it, because a it's lot great, of times man. the, these teams are playing for their second or third time of the season. So you want to talk about really having an advantage. Um, I know they're neutral court most of the time, but man, I, I like last, you know, last championship week, last actually like three or four championship weeks have been good. But last year I absolutely destroyed championship week. And it was just, there's so much more data out there to look at for totals. And um, you know, you can go back and watch a game or, you know, watch the way that a game ended. And, you know, to me, um, yeah, that's the best time of the year right there, especially gearing up knowing I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got you. Uh, let me ask you about, um, uh, the, uh, you know, the question that everybody wants to know, uh, can anyone beat Duke this year or is it, is, is, is this like Bama basically redux? Like just give Duke the title pretty much. No, I, 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 you know, obviously. one day, one day, it sure feels that way, though, dude. Those were men out there, not freshmen, dude. That was oh, ridiculous. 
What the hell? It that was, was wild. It was wild. Zion, uh, let Zion me, let me, is yeah, let me reframe great. it a little bit. Uh, there's a freaking awesome uh, preseason-ish tournament coming up in Maui, the Maui Invitational, uh, at the Lahaina Civic Center. Do you see who's going to this? Have you looked at this yet? Yeah, I, I've looked at it. Um, I can't. I'll, I definitely can't. I'll give. Everyone. I'll give you a quick. I'll give you the first. I'll give you the four games that, that kick off the tournament. You ready? Uh, Xavier yeah. is playing Auburn. Uh, Xavier was the number one seed last year, right? I believe they were. Um, Duke is playing San Diego State. Uh, Arizona is playing Iowa State. And Gonzaga is playing Illinois. That is a stacked, stacked tournament. Uh, any Just hearing those teams, uh, anyone going to legitimately challenge Duke in this thing? Well, um, you know, I, I, think, I think they could be given... They could be given some tougher games probably than they got last night, but uh, it, it, that's they're you know like Xavier lost a ton. Uh, Xavier lost you know really I think their top three scores. They might have lost their top four. They lost one of the best players in the nation and blew it. But they um, you know I I would think that like maybe Arizona could participate um, in a little bit of an upset there. Auburn I think is going to be really good. You'll probably see some really awesome semifinal games come out of that. Um, it, it may not be the one that Duke's in, but it, it, you know, there it's going to be a very interesting semifinal and championship game, and maybe even in a. I don't. I hope they play a third place game. Some of those tournaments do, but um, <clears throat> if you get a third place game, that could be really good too. It definitely going to be something to watch. I, you know, Duke. Duke obviously looked amazing last night. Zion Williamson's going to pr- pretty much just rule the airwaves probably for the bulk of the season, but you know, there's some, there's some other really talented teams out there and, you know, Kansas, uh, obviously, you know, even though they, they cost me some money last night, they looked really good and um, they, they've got a lot of talent uh, as well. So, you know, there, there's going to be some teams contend. I, I definitely am not going to give Duke uh, the championship right now, but I think, <laughs> oh, come on, I think man, they made not? a strong, <laughs> I think they made a very strong case to uh, to maybe potentially get be to be the number one seed over Kansas. Okay, all right, good stuff. The, the, um, the well, you're in luck. Gonna get, the defense is going to like they didn't look great defensively. That'll come. Like yeah. they're they're a bunch of 18, 19 year olds that have barely played together. Like they they're going to get better on defense. This could be a pretty scary team come tournament time. But yeah, nobody was even slapping the floor, so they're just going <laughs> to get a lot better. <laughs> you're and you're in luck. Well, too. not only. Not only do they do a, a third place game out in Maui, they do a seventh place game. They'll be all awesome. all eight of these teams are basically going to play three games out there. So you'll get to see. I, an and that, that's what they should do. If you fly your happy ass all the way to Maui from, I mean, some of them are East Coast teams. That's a long ways. It is, man. It's well, a long trip. And if any if anyone's smart, don't play up tempo with Duke. Try to slow the game down. You know, and that that that's going to be the key because last night that just that tempo just went through the roof. Um, and you know, they're, they're not going to shoot 46% from three every night. Um, you know, they're going to have some, some off nights, but if someone slows down the tempo and maybe hangs with them, at least through the first half, you won't see, um, sort of these insane NBA sort of stat lines in this college basketball game. Makes sense to me. That makes sense. Okay. Well, good stuff. Uh, that's a nice little primer. We're going to talk to a big man on campus next week, and we'll dive into college basketball a little bit more, try to get some of his takes on some of the mid-majors and whatnot. So this was just a little bit of a primer for us. 
Um, what, uh, what do you think before we get into the NFL week 10 card, uh, your Denver Broncos are on by this week. Uh, and they did not. It doesn't look like they're going to fire him. No, they would have done it by now. Right. Number one, why did they fire him? And number two, what do you do with this team? Jay, what do the Broncos do? Is Case Keenum going to get, you got to move on from this guy. You got to tear it all down and start over next year. Like what, what is the plan? What does John Elway do uh, to fix this franchise? He should resign. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, you know, obviously, I there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity geared towards John Elway, and you know some of it he, he needs to own. You know, obviously, this is a horrible hire. This coaching staff is an abomination. I mean, it, that is this is. I mean, I would rather have John Fox back right now than what we have, and. That's Ooh, tough Jesus today. Christ! Wow, wow. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for me to muster those words, but uh, but um, you know, I this is a bad coaching hire. He's made some really big mistakes, like the Paxton Lynch uh, draft, and and there have been you know the DT contract was bad. Those are just a couple things that stand out to me. But you know, he did bring a Super Bowl here. He did get Peyton Manning to come here. Um, he made a lot of real savvy moves in getting a lot of veterans like Demarcus Ware. Um, to come in here. So, you know, I, I, to me, he sort of has a path through probably the next coaching decision and this coaching decision is huge. And um, I I have no doubt that Vance Joseph will be fired. I just think, um, you know, maybe it's a Elway pride thing. Maybe it is, um, you know, maybe it's just, you know, Hey, I'm going to make sure this guy gets a full opportunity. I'm going to give him two years because he believes in this guy. This was the guy that he went out was a little bit of a head scratching hire, especially with the likes of Sean McVay and um, Kyle Shanahan being available, you know, obviously with his relationship with the Denver Broncos and John Elway. Um, so, it, you know, it, 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 it was a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, obviously we talked about this before the season. I, I think I actually did call Vance Joseph a moron in the preseason preview and um, <laughs> I couldn't be more right. I couldn't be more right about that, but um I'm a little, I'm, I want to see him gone now because I think there's a lot of work in the locker room that needs to take place. We have a lot of free agents coming up this year and next year in the next two seasons, we have a ton of high caliber, a lot of talent that's going to be coming uh, to free agency like Chris Harris, Jr. Derek Wolf. Um, you know, there's a ton of guys who are going to be coming up. And I, I think we have enough talent on defense, um, especially in our front seven that, where we could squander a really good opportunity. You know, I, even though Denver's defense got some kinks in that secondary, I, you know, we are really wasting a season where I think we could have competed if we just had a coach who had a brain. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's tough. I, 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 I'm not surprised that we didn't fire him. I was hoping we would. Um, I think it's coming at the end of the season, but, you know, Denver has some O-line issues. It's pretty apparent. Case Keenum is clearly not the guy. I don't think he's a total abortion, but I, I think, I think that he, you know, probably, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, he, he, you know, he, he has been under a ton of pressure the last week, especially, you know, once we had like Ron Leary, uh, pull, you know, tear his Achilles, um, it, you know, the, the offensive line's got issues. Case Keenum's not the answer. Our secondary, you know, letting Aqib Tlaib ended up looming a lot larger than we thought it would. Um, but it, it's just a, it's 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 a, it's unfortunate to see this team at three and six. 
Um, I, I just felt like we would probably at least be 500 this year. And so it, it's pretty disappointing um, to just see him sort of squander games like he did last game and the Kansas City game and, um, you know, and then play really bad against teams like the Jets on the road. It, it's just, it's kind of tough to watch. So, yeah, they should be five and four. They blew two at home. They were oh, the yeah. taking. Um, okay. and, and it was coaching. Well, we uh, this podcast has a pretty broad reach, uh, and uh, I can only assume that Elway may listen. Um, if he is listening, where do you, where do you send him in terms of a coaching search? Like, where do you start? Well, I think I, I think with this defense, um, you I think you want to bring in an offensive minded head coach who can then you can hire a good D coordinator to come in and he has total control. I, this whole Joe Wood and Vance Joseph sort of, it, it, you know, that if there's a, if there's, if they're butting heads, I don't think that it's out there. I, you know, it seems like, you know, they're looking at each other like, I don't know what to do. And he's saying, I don't know what to do either. So let's just screw <laughs> it up. Um, but, but I, I think, I think you need to have one guy who can come in. I mean, obviously, you know, like, like, Wade Phillips, you know, what he did with this defense and a lot of these players are still here from that Super Bowl championship defense. Um, you know, there, I think there's still a window with these guys. You know, Chris Harris is locked down through next season. Vaughn's locked down long term. Chubb's going to be here. He's looking like he could run away with defensive rookie of the year, or at least definitely be in the top three conversation. But, you know, the, the defense is there. I, but we need to get something figured out with this offense. Our offense is just disgusting. And it, it, it was, it, it's a little bit better this year, but it's still just not good football. Um, if we even had mediocre offensive play, um, and it's crazy because Philip Lindsay's having an offensive rookie of the year type season. And I, I completely you know, agree. We're completely blowing it um, by, you know, calling timeout, icing our own kicker calling timeouts, (laughs) not calling, not calling timeouts when we should too. Um, You know, so there's so many different things. um, But I, I, you know, I don't think Denver's a lost cause. I think this is, like I said, it's a huge hire. If we can get a good offensive mind to come in, um, I don't think Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan will be knocking on doors um, like they were when we made the decision to go with Vance. Um, But, you know, if we, if we can get to this coaching carousel early, get a good offensive coach in here, that can maybe start working, um, you know, with whoever we draft, hopefully a quarterback with our first pick, which right now I think is number eight overall, and it probably will be in that region. I don't think it's going to get much better, but I don't think it'll get a whole lot worse. Um, but, um, you know, so hopefully maybe we can use this pick um, and the pick that we uh, got for DT, and maybe we can move up in the draft. Or, um, But I, I think if you get it, you bring in an offensive-minded head coach who gets to make the pick. He gets to make the pick at quarterback this season, um, and and hopefully he can pick someone that he can bring in and groom and uh, get this offense turned around. But um, you know, obviously that's it's all on John Elway's shoes now to fire Vance Joseph in a timely manner at the end of the season and and get somebody good in here. You need like a Josh McDaniels type. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, he, oh man, he would fit the bill, but not here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Well, good stuff. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some NFL. Andy, you ready to dive into this card this week? Yeah, they're. I mean, like Jay said, they're not a lost cause, but 
but they are this year. So, and they're on bye. Oh, yeah, let's oh, yeah. Let, let's. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, oh, it's, I was going to say if you want to skip, if we wanted to completely skip Thursday, we could get into a couple more lost causes. but yeah let's 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 get into the card let's start let's start with thursday thursday night football game of the week question mark i think probably as far as Uh, matchups go i mean there's not like two good teams playing each other outside of that no i mean there really isn't there's a there's like three or four double digits man yeah there i know and and uh some of those that i think are kind of crazy double digits one one for sure that i think is nuts um but uh yeah carolina panthers um, I will hold my hand up as far as owning, uh, bad calls. Uh, when we had Jay on doing our preseason previews, we talked about the NFC South. I was very, very skeptical. Uh, albeit I put significant money down that the Panthers, uh, were going to not be su- uh, successful this year. Uh, and I, my entirety of my opinion was formed, was coming out of the fact that I didn't believe in North Turner as a, as an offensive coordinator in 2018. I didn't think that he was going to be able to keep uh, Cam Newton on the field for all 16 games because they had such a porous offensive line. And the last time we saw Cam, uh, we saw Norv Turner coordinating an offense. It was with the Minnesota Vikings, and he got uh, Sam Bradford killed behind a terrible offensive line. Uh, I thought we were going to see a replay of that, and I was extremely confident and happy to be holding Carolina Panthers under tickets. Those are just about effed. Uh, Panthers are 6-2. and two. They look legitimately, um, you know, in squarely in uh, contention to pick up a wild card, if not catch the Saints in the NFC South. They head to Pittsburgh in what is a pretty important game for both of these teams in terms of playoff positioning. Pittsburgh is white hot right now. They are coming off of a whole truckload of wins against AFC North competition. Um, to a degree, you can say. I, I can make I you know I can believe narrative wise that this is potentially a letdown spot for Pittsburgh because they are coming off of a Baltimore uh, Baltimore win and in years past after beating the Ravens the Steelers have looked a little bit questionable um, but uh, the Steelers are absolutely clicking on offense James Conner is making a case for most improved player and it's not close he is you know he has made. Le'Veon Bell irrelevant, something that I don't think any of us would have predicted before the season started. Um, and uh, you see a market that op- that we expected to see Steelers open up as six-point favorites a week ago. Uh, after Carolina's thrashing of the Bucks, they opened Pittsburgh minus five. It was bet down to minus four, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then it was bet down even further to minus three and a half. And that was when I kind of paused and I said, okay, wait a second. Now, you're telling me basically that Carolina, uh, on a short week, Carolina and Pittsburgh are basically even. Uh, and I, at that point, I had to say enough is enough. You're going to give me minus three and a half with the Steelers here at home on Thursday Night Football. Uh, I'm going to, at plus, at plus 100, uh, I couldn't I couldn't resist. I had to take it. I know on our Monday pod, we talked about Carolina, maybe a frisky money line play, blah, blah, blah. I, it, the, the more I thought about it and the more I see how this shapes up, I really don't understand, um, you know, why the line has moved so far in favor and across some key numbers. Uh, and really, once it broke through four, I was like, this is the time to grab th- th- this number. I think it's going to go back up between now and when this game starts. Uh, Andy, uh, I know I want to leave the total discussion up to you. Um, but uh, do you think I'm making a mistake getting involved here with the Steelers? 
Yeah, probably. Mm, okay. I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like, we talked early a little bit. I mean, you kind of hit on most everything there, but the one thing we, maybe you didn't say was, is it just posturing to move the number down to hit the Steelers later? Sometimes you will, you know, you'll see that where certain groups will take one side and move it slightly down. And if you get the Steelers at three, three and a half hammer it later in the week, so you never know. I would probably lean with you with the Steelers, but uh, yeah, like you said, I hit the over. It seemed a little low at 50 when it opened. It's up to 51 and a half, 52. The uh, Steelers defense has been slightly better, but I still don't know how they're going to, you know, slow down an offense. It's been moving quite nicely, getting the ball out quickly, kind of working around that offensive line for the past eight weeks and, Scoring quite a bit of points, even though, you know, last week, obviously, it was against a pretty shitty defense. I think both teams will get theirs. This is somebody's getting to 30. I think 50 is a bit low. So that's a bet I took already. Interesting. Um, Jay, uh, do you have a lean on uh, cider total in this one? Definitely leaned over um, as well. I mean, just, you know, Carolina's offense all of a sudden seems to really kind of be rolling. I know that they played <clears throat> they played two of their last games at home, and this is obviously on the road. But I, you know, Pittsburgh's defense, like he said, has played slightly better. But I still think there's a lot of uh, the, there's a lot of issues with that defense. So I I lean over. I, I agree. I think someone gets to thirty, um, and you know maybe you see this sort of as like a you know thirty one twenty four thirty one twenty eight type game where it could be close late, but. Um, I do also lean Pittsburgh. Um, I, I I like the over more, but um, you know if I just think that Pittsburgh Ben Roethlisberger at home has been so much better than he is on the road, um, and you know they're they're in a little bit uh, of a battle within the North, and I, I just think this is a, a really big game for them at home where they have to hold serve. So I I, I like Ben Roethlisberger in this game and, and Pittsburgh to get the win, but I I'm a little leery on whether or not they can win by more than three. Aha. <clears throat> uh-huh. Interesting. Um, okay. Good, good take. I think, um, I'm with you on the, you know, I tickled the over, uh, on uh, Sunday as well at 50. Uh, I think there's still a hair of value on it at 51. Uh, I'm projecting here 28, 24 Steelers win. Uh, and, um, I, you know, the Steelers have been so efficient uh, in the red zone. It is really something to behold watching, you know, the way that they have all of these weapons, uh, you know, out there. And I have, I have a huge, huge, um, you know, questions about the, uh, the Panthers defense. If there's one unit that's truly fraudulent out of the four in this game, it's the Panthers defense. Um, and you know, the Steelers are hitting, they're hitting, they're playing physical. They're hitting hard. Uh, we saw them hold, uh, you know, hold the Ravens fairly well last week. We saw them hold the pretty powerful offense of the Cincinnati Bengals to just 21 points. They, you know, the defense is, is you know, the times they play, they make stupid plays, but uh, overall, I think that they're playing at a pretty impressive level, which gives me a little bit more confidence to get involved here at Pittsburgh minus three and a half, even though I have a razor thin edge. Um, but uh, should be a fun game. And uh, will tell us a lot about how, uh, how the Panthers shape up if they're going to be a contender for the uh, uh, NFC South or if they are going to squarely be fighting for a wild card spot. Uh, two more games, by the way, for the Panthers against the Saints. Um, how do you see that uh, that race shaping up, uh, Andy? 
Boy, the Saints look like a Saints look like a truck right now. I know we're going to get into possibly maybe their only letdown spot of the year coming up this week, but the way things are clicking, and if they can get anything at all out of Dez, you got to give them the advantage. They've already got. They've already they played once, right? Uh, no, two no, more games. Yeah. No, no, they, yeah, you just said that. I'm trying to. I'm, they, I was thinking got, of. They got two, yeah. and it's in. Uh, I was looking first, at Atlanta earlier. Atlanta and Carolina had played earlier, and Atlanta had I, gotten one of the. So, but no, yeah, they do have to play twice. Even if they split, man, I, I you still got advantage. Saints just they're a game up. They, yeah, I'm, I think the Saints take the division. They're looking. Did you see uh, very very good right now? That the first of the two games is a really terrible spot for New Orleans. It's the third of three in a row on the road. They go at Dallas, out Tampa, at Carolina, uh, and they're looking like it's looking like they'll be short favorites at Carolina in that game. Um, but uh, that's a, it's a it's, tough spot. You know, at least it's a third road game after two bad teams. You know, it's not it's not yeah, murderers row. If there's that's any true. silver, if there's ever been a silver lining to a third straight roadie, yeah. Last three games for the Saints is uh, Carolina, Pig Carolina. They got a they got a Steelers sandwich between two Panthers. Um, interesting uh, how that uh, schedule worked out. I'm not sure why they did that to them, but that's fine. Um, okay, let's uh, let's keep moving down the card and, and uh, talk about the uh, the most exciting game of the week, the one everybody wants to hear our breakdowns on. Uh, the uh, the Jets and uh, the Bills, undecided quarterback versus undecided quarterback. Uh, realistically, I think we see Peterman versus McCown here. Uh, we saw the news today that Sam Darnold has a severe sprain in his foot. You can kiss those offensive rookie of the year tickets goodbye. It's very sad. I was really had high hopes for that after that week one win against the Lions. That was a good good look. But uh, in fact, I think it went from ten to one to even money, didn't it, Andy? Right away, but it's right been away. dead. It's been dead for a few weeks. Okay. Well, either way, uh, yeah. Either way, uh, <laughs> is that uh, is that Josh McCown's music? Uh, McCown coming back in. Surprised the line continued to move towards Buffalo even after this announcement because I think the way Darnold has been playing, McCown's probably an upgrade. Um, did when you heard that and you saw that move to six and a half, Andy? Did you have a tingle of I should I should fade Buffalo here? My eyes have been going right past that game all week. I look at lines. There's no no chance I'll get involved. Super high variance game with a low total like that. There's no telling what you're gonna get. You could have you could have upwards of three or four defensive or special teams touchdowns from either team. Who knows which ones would get the benefit of that? There's gonna be turnovers. There's gonna be ugly. I don't think the weather's going to be nice up there this weekend. Yeah, complete pass. I haven't even I haven't even been watching the line movement on this. To tell you the truth, I, there's no chance of getting involved. That's crazy. So uh, Jay, <laughs> Jay, yeah. Jay, there are. So, uh, there, yeah, good. No, uh, I mean, does, is this when you say complete ass? Does this qualify as an ass game over? Oh, that, it probably does. Oh, you know, the, there there's weather related issues about. Though. It's in division and there's weather, there's weather. It it has to be good weather or indoors. And I don't know if that, I don't know what the weather is going to be like in New York this week. I had, cause I have like Andy, I've just kind of been skipping over this one, but I do have a funny angle that I want to ask you about Jay. Uh, how, what is, what is, uh, what kind of witchcraft is Bill Belichick, uh, uh, doing such that you have the likes of the Finns, Bills and Jets all with, undecided quarterbacks this week like how is this happening 
year in, year out, the the AFC East just utterly collapses underneath the Patriots. It's it's ridiculous. Every season, I think this happens to like two of those three teams. I mean, God, the Dolphins, I feel like they haven't had a, a quarterback start season and end it in forever. And the Bills obviously have just been a comedy of errors at quarterback, whether it's getting rid of the best quarterback they've seen in, you know, four or five years um, to the Browns in the off season. And then coming in with what, I, I don't know. I, it's a comedy of errors. These teams, it's, it's kind of insane that Miami is five and four right now. Uh, it, it won't matter in the end. Um, you know, I think they're going to be well out of it unless, um, you know, something miraculous happens with them. But yeah, I, it's it's hard to believe that this is the three teams they get, and every year two of them look just like the Jets and Bills do right now. Yep, yep. It's it's it is it's ridiculous, and um, I don't know, man. I guess uh, the Bills to me are are you know obviously this is a lost season for them. The Jets, I guess, after that loss last week, you can click, you know chalk this up as a lost season for them too. So without any motivational angles, uh, this is a pretty obvious stay away. Let's talk about uh, Falcons at the Browns. Interesting game with the uh, and you know they guess the way that I look at this game and the question that I would ask in starting to handicap this game, uh, we just saw the Kansas City Chiefs go to Cleveland. Uh, they opened that line at around 10. It got bet heavily in favor of the Browns. We scratched our heads. We said, who in their right mind is running to the window to back the Browns in this spot? What did it close at, Andy? Like seven-ish? Six and a half even? Like, did it go below seven? No, it was like going seven. Seven and a half. Seven seven and a half, okay. Um, So it got bet down to seven and a half. It was was a nice spot if you like the Chiefs at 10. You loved them at seven and a half. Um, but, uh, we then circle around this week and Atlanta heads to Cleveland and I don't know, man, I hold up Kansas city and Atlanta right now. And there's not a ton of difference really in terms of how they operate, uh, in terms of the power of their offense and the offensive weapons that they have at hand, uh, and in terms of their weaknesses on defense, they're kind of comparable to me. Uh, I guess Atlanta is Kansas city junior Kansas city light. Um, but this feels like you get another crack at that same situation here. Uh, and they hung a line of Atlanta minus three and a half, uh, which didn't make sense. Uh, we advocated getting that early. Uh, I still feel I, I waited because I wanted to sell out some points because I wanted to get a little bit better uh, price here. And I ended up selling out to five and a half with the Falcons at plus 115 or 114 or something. Um, and uh, I think the Falcons take care of business here. I don't know that Cleveland has the offensive horsepower to stay within a touchdown of Atlanta, even though Atlanta's defense has question marks. Uh, Andy, is that the case for Atlanta, or are there other factors here worth considering? Yeah, I went back and forth a little on this Sunday before I ended up actually backing Atlanta. Just... I stayed away from anything Cleveland related last week, especially just Jesus. If there's a team you're going to take the Browns and the points with, like maybe there's better weeks to do it than last week. Jesus Christ, people. But either way, um, <laughs> yeah, just I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with the gameplay. I, I think Kansas City's defense might be worse than Atlanta's. It's one of those things where they don't care. And Kansas, I mean, not only a bad defense all year, but they, the injuries they're suffered too. 
I, and again this week, Kansas City's got some guys out, but uh, Atlanta actually some people returning. Not everybody, because some of those injuries were season ending, which sucks for them. But uh, looking a little tighter on the other side of the ball. Obviously, still not going to be even a top half defense, but. Matty Ice, even outdoors, the offense is starting to click. I think they can put up enough points to cover as a shorter road favorite. I took the four. I felt like it'd probably get bet out, even if some sharp sharp people want to get involved with Cleveland every week. I think there's going to be enough people on, uh, on Atlanta to move this number out where I wanted to get that four before it moved. Yeah, this is this is a play for me. I'm going to take them. They They – I don't want to say like resuscitated their season because they were never really completely out. It was so early, but like we said, there's three teams that are four and four in the NFC right now that are, they're all like holding on to that seven spot, essentially, if you don't use tiebreakers. So they are one spot out of the playoff picture right now, and they have an experienced quarterback, an experienced coach, and they're playing for something. Whereas Cleveland is probably just looking forward to golfing next weekend. They had to thereby. So, yeah, definitely I'll, I'll take a motivated team with uh, experience and quality offense. Yep. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, is this a uh, is this a deep dive uh, consensus, Jay? Well, as someone who is – I mean, without a doubt, the biggest bet I had in the offseason was the Cleveland Browns under five-and-a-half wins at plus 120. And I um, – so I – I feel a little fortunate right now that they're actually sitting at two, six and one, considering what they're like one and three in overtime games um, <laughs> and almost had a fifth overtime game. But um, or I guess no, they're not one and three, what they're one, two and one. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but for wins, uh, totals essentially one and three. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, ties no, just as good as a loss for you. Um, Cleveland has really struggled against high-powered offenses. At the beginning of the year, they looked like they were clicking defensively when they had that really good game against Pittsburgh, and then they turned around and had actually a really good defensive game against the Saints. But um, all of a sudden, they seem to sort of be getting exposed. And um, I definitely would lean Atlanta. Um, I Right now, it isn't anything I bet, um, and it's, what, up to five now. Um so I don't know for sure if I'll get involved in this game. I, I'm just looking at it right now that I will cash a pretty sizable bet if the Browns can just go – if the Browns would have to go four and three down the stretch for me to lose my regular season under. So um, they do have a couple winnable games on the schedule, but um, I'll probably just stay away just hoping that I can bring this in. Well, the good news for you is Greg Williams is the coach now. So I like your, yeah. I like your chances. Um, let's slide down to uh, talk about the saints and the Bengals. Uh, as Andy mentioned, this is potentially a letdown spot for the saints. They have played up three weeks in a row. They have won the de facto mid season NFC championship game against the Rams. Now they turn around and they head on the road to play the Cincinnati Bengals who are coming off the bye. When this line opened at four, I thought, boy, that's short. The Saints are really clicking right now. What is the deal? And you do the math in your head, and you're like, okay, well, you know, Cleveland, I mean, sorry, Cincinnati has home field advantage. Um, they do have, you know, they're, you know, they have home field advantage, especially over a dome team. Uh, and you do the math, and you're like, okay, well, they're seven points apart. Does that make sense from a power number standpoint? Yeah, okay. That's not that crazy. 
Uh, and yet it got bet out to five, five and a half now. And at that point I was, I, you know, I'm projecting scores. I'm thinking, okay, this is actually probably gonna be a pretty close game because you have a rested Bengals team, even though they don't have AJ green in this game, uh, you still are getting some pieces back and healthy, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and so I, at some point I said, okay, likelihood that the, the saints just try to get in and out of dodge with a win and not get anyone hurt is greater than they're going to go out and just go scorched earth on the Bengals. Uh, so I'm grabbing plus five and a half here with Cincinnati. Um, do you think the, do we see a letdown from the uh, saints this week, Andy, or do you think they just keep cruising right along? If there ever was a letdown spot, this is it. I can't blame you for this. Um, the Bengals have kind of been a weird team for me this year. I've stayed away from them for multiple weeks, even in spots where I did have a lean one way or the other. Um, yeah, it's it's Bengals or nothing, I think, in this game. And I just have too much respect for what the Saints are doing right now to get involved with the, the Bengals. So I would lean nothing. But, yeah, I, I definitely, man, the ultimate in flat spots, really, for a team that – just won a huge game as far as playoff positioning, home field advantage, and all that. And then this is, you know, a non-conference game that really would have. I mean, you'd have to get way down there for this to come into any sort of tiebreaker scenario. The only, the only tiebreaker really matters is the first one on you know overall records. So I, I can't see them blowing them out. Uh, honestly, for for futures, I'd like to see the the Saints win, but. I won't be getting involved at whatever it is now, five and a half. Okay. Jay, uh, are you with me on, uh, on the Bengals being a live dog in this one, or is this uh, ridiculous to try to bet against the hottest team in the NFL period? <clears throat> well, the, you know, the Bengals actually have impressed me this year. I, I wasn't a team that I thought at the midpoint would be five and three and actually, within striking distance of the Norris division. Um, I, the, this game, I would agree with a lean towards the Bengals. I think six is, is a good number to be getting for a home team um, that, you know, at times, you know, like Kirkpatrick has played well in the secondary and, you know, they've been able to get a little bit of a resemblance of a pass rush, but it's sort of hit or miss. It's, I don't think I'm going to get involved in this game, but I, I do have a question for you guys, I guess, is, Looking at NFC or the AFC North, do you think the Bengals right now, with their remaining schedule having the Browns twice, the Raiders and the Broncos, do you think the Bengals have value at plus three hundred to win the North right now? Only a half game out on the pit. What was the preseason line you grabbed, Whale? Uh, twelve to one ish, eleven to one. Nice. Was it that high? I, I thought was. I was thinking like eight or nine. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, they've it got. Was, you look at yeah. their schedule, man. They've got some absolute shitty, shitty teams. I mean, like you said, Browns, Raiders, Browns, and then geez, the the Broncos. It's not great. Yeah. So it all kind of hinges on next week at the at the Ravens. Saints, uh, Ravens, Steelers. Yeah. Though. Yeah. This, it's kind of. It is really bipolar. There's no middle ground games. It's tough ass games and then some, yeah. some pushovers, especially games. Yeah, games they should walk or games home, they're gonna Raiders struggle at with. home. I'll say this. If they can if they can beat Baltimore next week, I know Baltimore is gonna be coming off the bye, but Baltimore is dealing with some serious questions at quarterback. Flacco's play has dropped off significantly. Uh they beat the the uh the Ravens obviously week two on Thursday night football. I think if they can 
if they can secure that win, then they are live for they are absolutely live for a playoff spot because the the sixth seed in the AFC is anyone's. It, it is anyone's. Oh, yeah. The fifth seed, I would say, is very squarely belongs to the Chargers. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to get caught by the Chargers. I think you're talking about the Chargers at the fifth. The sixth seed is open for whoever wants to take it. And I thought it was going to be the Ravens. I don't think that anymore. If the Bengals beat the uh, beat the Ravens next week, I think that's their spot to lose. Uh, and they're going to be a nice team to fade uh, versus whoever gets the third spot in the AFC uh, come to the playoffs because Andy Dalton, as we know, uh, does not perform particularly well under high-pressure situations. Um, that said, uh, before we move off this game, uh, pat ourselves on the back a little bit for being uh, particularly correct about the Saints. Uh, Jay, what was your? You remember what your take on the Saints was when we did the uh, preseason preview pod? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I was really high on the Saints. I, I was a little high on Atlanta, um, a little bit higher than obviously they performed. But um, I, you know, beginning of the season, my futures were Patriots versus Saints Super Bowl. Um, I think I had Saints to win the NFC like plus seven fifty. Um, I took that right before the season kicked off. I know there were some juicier numbers out there before that, but, uh, but they, you know, that was definitely a team I was really high on. I, I know we kind of thought this battle would come down between Atlanta and them and now it's Carolina, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm fully vested in them right now um, with the plus one fifteen to win the South and then plus seven fifty, uh, which kind of actually makes me want to possibly flirt with a little bit of a, Carolina to win the South hedge, maybe just because that could burn me. But I, you know, that one, I can still probably hold out and wait because they do play twice in the last three weeks, which is crazy. Um, but so, you know, I have time to think about that and maybe see how it pans out. You might be able to hedge with a a single game bet. You bet. I bet you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Maybe that Monday night football game in Carolina. Yep. That's the one. Mm-hmm. week 15 that that might be the game maybe where i i put out you know a money line or, or something but i um yeah no I, I think we we pretty much nailed that the saints would would definitely be the south champ and I, I think we were all pretty high on them you know being in the conversation for the one seed you know i i was really impressed with how they looked against the rams last week um i you know i i, I just at the beginning of the year i was a little concerned with the saints defense and they seem to have sort of slowly figured some things out. It's not an immaculate defense. They don't look great, but they they look good enough with a strong offense to be in position to probably be in the conversation late into January. So I, um, I, I'm excited, obviously, having the big futures out there. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at Carolina right now. I think I'm seeing three to one to win the South and they're only about a game out with obvious control of their own destiny. Um, I don't know. I probably hold off on it for now, but um, I don't know. Yep. Fair enough. Well, lucky for the saints in their poor, their poorest defense, it's 2018 and defense doesn't matter. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> another team that will likely win this weekend who has a defense that doesn't matter. And that is Tampa Bay's. Uh, Tampa Bay, interestingly, opened up as a small favorite against the be- uh, the beaten and battered Redskins. Um, Redskins are a team that is falling apart at the seams between injuries and between um, you know players not performing particularly well, especially in their coverage area. Um, and Tampa Bay should be able to 
exploit exploit that. It made sense to me that they opened them up as small favorites. They got bet out to three, three and a half pretty damn fast. Um, currently, we see Tampa Bay sitting at minus three. I guess minus three is only plus 100. So maybe there's a little bit of resistance. People aren't ready to quit on Washington just yet, even though Washington will do it without <laughs> both starting guards. They're yeah. starting left tackle. They're all world tackle. Um uh, Williams looks like he'll be out. Uh, they will be without Jameson Crowder, likely. They will be without uh, Reed, the tight end, likely. Um, Richardson, who is emerging as a wide receiving threat, on IR. They literally have Josh Doxson. You're going to have um, Alex Smith throwing to Josh Doxson and handing off to Adrian Peterson. How those three compete with the Tampa Bay offense that can absolutely score and has dynamic weapons in the passing game is beyond me. Um, Andy, does all this make you feel like the Tampa Bay is a decent play? Tampa Bay should never be used to those words. Um, <laughs> I did, after the injuries, you know, I, I hadn't quite gotten, you know, after the injuries, the first thing you do is be like, Ooh, Washington's going to be a fade. Let's see who they play. Oh shit. It's Tampa. Yeah. The, uh, where are we at on the Fitzpatrick? Like, uh, I guess cycle. last. Yeah, his life cycle. Is this a down week? It's almost like a steroid cycle. You know, you, you got to know when, like, the, the Fitzpatrick magic is is at its highest. Uh, I would love to fade Washington. I guess it is on the road, too. Boy, laying, yeah. points, laying points at Tampa right now. The, the, they are getting some defensive pieces back. I think this, we decided this total probably is a touch too high. But that I haven't got involved. I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't got involved with it yet. It's you. You might have started to talk me into that, but but Tampa between Tampa's defense and I mean, you say like, oh, Tampa's getting you know they're getting you know some pieces back, but against Washington's offensive line, I'm worried about like a, you know a sack strip sack for a good <laughs> field position. Like this could be a really kind of ugly game that ends up a little high scoring because of some sloppiness on both sides and Tampa's defense. You can add a couple of good pieces. It's still not going to be a good defense. They're still going to move the ball. Um, Washington obviously has, they've kind of done what they've done and ended up where they're at by running the ball and stopping people from running the ball. So I don't know how that's going to fly because I mean, you should be throwing against Tampa and the fact that they have a good run stopping defense, isn't going to really work against the Fitz magic, uh, to those receivers connection. I, I think Tampa, Tampa team total, even though I just said the total's high, <laughs> I think Tampa, Tampa, I, I, I worry about this total going over. If I, okay. if I, I think Tampa's going to get theirs. I this would lean. Me, I, I think I talked ourselves into Tampa Bay right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ugh, so this, 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 this is, uh, this is, this is making me crazy because I've been having this exact conversation in my head for like 24 hours. Uh, I don't know whether the right move is to back Tampa or the under here. Uh, I am lining up a play on under 51 and a half because that is a awful lot of the points for the skins in a skins game. Period. Jay under, or Tampa, which is a better look here? Because the if you if you break down if you break down the total and the spread, they're basically saying Tampa twenty seven, Washington twenty four. Yeah, I I can't bet Tampa. Like he said, <laughs> those words shouldn't be put together. I, 
I, you know, obviously I know Washington is in a pretty brutal position offensively with all these injuries. And that's a little bit of a, you know, kind of what are you going to get offensively from them uh, on Sunday? So that, that would have me concerned with wanting to back Washington. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't know. I, and Tampa's defense has just been so bad. I would probably lean to the under, like you said, but I, I, I to me, it's just kind of a, a no, a stay away spot. I, you know, I, I don't think I have really a lean either way, especially with the line being at three. You know, maybe earlier in the week when it was, you know, the money line was pretty close. Maybe you know you take. Tampa with a money line or you pick Tampa. I think it opened as a pick, didn't it? I mean, you know, so yeah, yeah. maybe earlier on, earlier on, I liked it, but I, you know, I, I can see Washington's defense sort of rising to the occasion in this game. And um, knowing that, you know, this is a game that they pretty much have to have if they want to be, you know, contenders in the East. Um, and, you know, obviously they're contending, but um, this East has sort of turned into a little bit of a unmitigated disaster, but um you know, I think I was surprised when I was looking at futures and saw that Philly's minus 165 to win the East right now at four and four. <clears throat> but I think just Washington being so banged up is why that's there. That's why this line is at three. But um, I, I think the under would be a play gun to my head. But this is probably just a stay away game for me altogether. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to probably end up taking under 51 and a half here, minus 104. That's, I, I just, I just can't come up with the scenario where Washington scores more than 20 points in this one. And maybe really the right play is just to wait it out and try to get a nice under 24 and a half or something like that as a team total with the Redskins. Cause I, I mean, the Redskins really, they are so beat up. Uh, and Adrian Peterson looks, um, like he is out of gas. He had those three big weeks and I really, you know, we went, I went, I went big on his under yards prop last week. Um, and I am again, very cautiously optimistic as to what they hang that at again this week, because you will have Curry and McCoy back on that Tampa Bay defensive line. And the only thing Tampa Bay can do on defense is make it tough for the opposing teams running back. Um, so, uh, good luck to the odds makers, uh, figuring out what that uh, that Adrian Peterson yards prop ought to look like. Um, but I'm going well, to end I'll, up taking under 51 here. Well, and honestly, you know, realistically, with all with, are they going to be in? Are they going to want to put themselves in a pass protect situation without these O linemen? I mean, they're probably just going to try to feed the rock and try to run downhill, and that's going to eat some clock. So I, I, Ooh, I think the team. Good the, point. The team. The team total under, I mean, give it to the best player you have left on your offense. Um, and I, I think I think they will try to slow down the tempo and, and try to see if their defense can win it by, you know, maybe forcing some Fitzpatrick uh, turnovers. So I, I think I think that's probably the right look maybe is that Redskins team total under probably more than the game. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm, again, you know, the other thing that's that's – fucking with my head here is that I was going back and forth between backing the Falcons and the under last week. And I picked the under on my card. I ended up having both, but I tried to only have one play on uh, per week on my card. Uh, but you know, it, it, I had a little bit more on the under than I had on the Falcons and, uh, I got screwed. Uh, and this week it's again, same sort of story. Fade the paid, fade the Redskins or, or back the under. And, uh, I guess I'm probably leaning under here. Um, let's move down the card and talk about the, rematch of a playoff uh, barn burner last year. Uh, 
and uh, only this time with the new coach uh, in the Tennessee Titans, Matt Vrabel, uh, heading to Mike Vrabel. Sorry, heading to uh, I got Matt Patricia and Mike Vrabel. I combined yeah, them into did. one person because they're kind of similar. People. <laughs> um, Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans head uh, head home after an impressive win on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys to take on the hated Patriots. Um, obviously last year in the divisional round of the playoffs, the Patriots made uh, short work of the pathetic Titans got, ended up getting Mike Malarkey fired. Um, and, uh, it's tough to make a particularly strong case for Tennessee this week with everything going right for the Patriots. I mean, honestly, the, 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 um, top to bottom, uh, they have figured out all of their limitations and have improved upon them. They, in, very, very impressive win last week uh, against the uh, Packers. As soon as they needed to flip the switch and, and, and put them away, they did it. I know Andy cashed a nice play on Patriots last week. You going back to the well with the Patriots this week as a short, uh, short fit? Well, I guess not really that short. Minus not seven short, is almost, yeah, it's almost a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Minus I'd six almost, and a half, minus seven. Almost lean Tennessee, but they haven't been a team that I've had a good grasp on this year. They looked better, but again, it was. Uh, I mean, Dallas probably should have been up 21 nothing in that game. Like, just bad team, bad, bad situation. Dallas. How does that go? How does that go? Game go differently if uh, Dallas is up 21 nothing? They probably win the game. <laughs> you know, like they they were gifted fumble after fumble, and they they threw an interception in the end zone. The field goal. They left so many points on the field. Like, I I'm not 100 percent sure Tennessee is actually that good. Dallas continues to just kick themselves in their own dick and just look stupid. Um, I don't know. I, I don't love laying big, uh, big road chalk like this, even with Brady and the gang. Because Tennessee, you know, they have had some nice, uh, some nicer performances on defense throughout the season. Maybe they can slow. And you see, the total is what forty six and a half. A little, uh, I guess that's that's on the lower side in today's NFL, isn't it? That's kind of fucked up. It is. But, um, yeah, probably no involvement for me here. This could be, like, if you're the kind of person who likes yourself a money line parlay, which maybe I am kind of secretly behind the scenes, <laughs> New England <laughs> falls in there because, yeah, you don't want to tease, like, a six and a half. Don't, t- don't tease a six and a half because, essentially, it's just the money line. You're just paying more for it. Yeah. Uh, Jay, we saw the uh, the the – bookmakers particularly the rec uh, shops get absolutely hammered last week they got taken to the woodshed uh and yet they hang the patriots as under a touchdown this week against a team that looks like potential frauds um are we in the time of the season where it's just bet the patriots and forget about it chuck chuck up one win a week just betting the pats and, and is this price too good to be true or do you think tennessee makes a game out of this well, I think I think that their defense is good enough to to probably keep them in it at least in the early part of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean the Mariota, you know, the turnovers that were a concern. I, so I had Tennessee first half plus three and a half against Dallas, and um, I felt extremely fortunate to take that one to the window because at one point I was like, oh my god, like they're, they're they should be up like. 21-7 right now, at least. Um, and I felt very fortunate to cash that ticket. Um, but 
I think Tennessee's defense is probably good enough to, to keep them in the game. The lean that I would have on this game, which is super square and the squarest move ever, but I would probably tease New England down um, just to try to get them just to win this game. I think this game could be an ugly win, but I, I definitely don't see New England dropping this game um, to Mariota. Is Mariota just hasn't looked very crisp. Even if you go back to the London game, um, he just, it, it, you know, obviously they, they had an opportunity to win that game. Um, but I, and, you know, did, did beat Dallas, but man, Dallas looks very fraudulent to me as well. And like you said, this game could have turned either way last week. So um, I, I, I think New England, wins this game, but it could be a little bit of a trap with that six and a half that they're hanging right now. It could be close. The under might be a, a decent look too. Interesting. Interesting. I have the over lined up in my sights. Uh, I don't think 46 and a half is a very reasonable line for what I think should be a pretty competitive game, especially in the first three quarters. Maybe New England puts on the Jets late. Um, but um, Tennessee has coverage problems. Dallas couldn't make him pay for it, but Tom Brady sure as hell is going to make him pay for it. Uh, I love that uh, you're starting to see some chemistry build between Brady and Josh Gordon. You might even, you know, you got you got a, a full reintegrated Edelman back in the swing of things. Um, you might even see uh, a one Mister Robert Gronkowski out on the field this Sunday, which would be a bonus in my mind. Um, I think that this is a kind of game that gets into the fifty range. I don't think forty six and a half is a very good line, and I'm going to back over forty six and a half at minus one one here. Um, Patriots team total is probably a decent look too, Andy. Yeah, that offense is starting to click. I mean, it's going to be around this, 26 and a half. Yeah. It does kind of just feel like one of those where they just want to get it done on the, it, you know, it's a conference game, but out of division, feel like they just want to, you know, get in there, get their win and get out. I don't know what they'll be looking for for style points, but uh, I definitely think New England wins. Their offense is starting to look pretty good. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, New England's defense is slow. Uh, they've had trouble in past uh, past years, past games, uh, containing a mobile quarterback. Uh, what's to say Tennessee doesn't get 27 points in this one? I mean, their play calling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, That's I fair. Think they, were, they, were, they were gifted. I mean, they were kind of gifted some of the – just some of the questionable calls that Dallas made. I didn't quite understand what uh, what was going on in that game. That was that was not a fun game to watch just because it felt like both teams kind of sucked ass. But no, um, New England's defense isn't great. Defense doesn't matter. So, okay. Well, I think I, think, I, I uh, guess I can. It does. I, I mean, to me, the total feels right about right. But I think you, if you do. It's kind of a stupid number, 46 and a half, like just a 47, <laughs> you know, 47, 48, 49. A lot of games land on that. So, yeah, which is why I lot. like having the over of 46 and a half. Uh, we'll see. Here's how I, I think. I think Patriots get to 27 or 30 even. Uh, 27 seems like their floor in my mind. Uh, and uh, I think if Tennessee can score 20 against the Chargers defense, uh, then they can get 20 against the Patriots. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this thing is very comfortably home by like end of the third quarter, early in the fourth, because um, both teams really are playing particularly well in the red zone. Outside of that one four, uh, outside of that one 
fuck up by the Patriots in the third quarter against the Packers. Uh, they are scoring at will in the red zone. Um, Tennessee finally figuring out the right way to deploy uh, Derrick Henry in the red zone. So my hopes are high that uh, we see a pretty uh, pretty nice uh, competitive high-scoring game here in 46 and a half is never in doubt. So that's my look. Uh, let's talk about another one where I played a total. Uh, Green Bay Packers are hosting the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, uh, who's going to be the quarterback out there on uh, Sunday as best guess, Andy? Oh, it'll be Osweiler. Does it matter? No, it's, I mean, <laughs> Osweiler is a, Osweiler's a downgrade for sure, but just, yeah, again, we go fraudulent teams. Like Miami had some luckyish wins and kind of they had a bit of a fluky season for them. I remember there was even talk, you know, the, the people got to have their narratives early in the season. It was this year that New England doesn't win the division. And when I, what was Miami? Were they three and all? They were three and zero, yes. Before yeah, getting getting beaten thirty eight to seven in New England, two and four since then, and I don't know if it was a very good two and four. Um, a lot of points, especially you watch Rogers scrambling around, man. I mean, I'm I'm talking the spread, I guess. But yeah, boy, you're saying minus ten for minus, minus 10, ten for Green Bay is a lot to let. Ten and a half in some spot. Oh, that's just teaser protection. Ten and a half, I guess. But yeah, that's uh. Uh, tougher place to play, warm weather team going up to uh, the icy tundra, the frozen tundra up there in Green Bay. It's going to be an uncomfortable game if you're not used to playing up there. But still, 10 points is a lot. I I hate Miami. I don't think they're a good team, but, man, that I would almost lean towards taking that. Rodgers, no-name receivers, I mean, it's it's about as bad as it's going to get. I'm going to have to look at injury reports, see what they're looking at for uh, the offensive players for Green Bay before I think about getting involved in this. And and then also, you know, you can say that's a lot of points, but when you do that, you're also saying I'm betting on Brock Osweiler. So you got maybe yeah. maybe some soul searching. Yeah. Probably a, probably a no bet. I would I would lean towards the over as far as the total. I agree with you there. Okay. Are you are you betting the over? No, I'm, I just, on the, I'm, oh. I'm on the, I'm on the under. I'm on the under. Then I, then I disagree with you. I think we see a, uh, I think we see a, a stronger performance out of the Packers defense this week at home. I think you send Miami up to freezing cold weather. Uh, first, you know, first crack at that. This is a team that's ready to quit as it is. Um, they get down early. I think Green Bay puts it away with a heavy dose of Aaron Jones, who's finding his groove out of the backfield for the pack. Uh, and I don't think the pack really have to work all that hard to get a pretty comfortable win here. Uh, Jay, would you consider laying 10 points with the Packers or is this a stay away for you? No, I definitely would. You know, the one thing that Miami's done this year, um, that is sort of, you know, given them their five and four record is they've just, I think they're like plus five turnover differential, Yep, They've been yep. very opportunistic. I mean, even last week, what they had a pick six or uh, I think they had a pick six um, late that kind of helped them ice that game in what was a pretty ugly game. Um, I was on the first half under last week, so um, I got lucky that they uh, came out and just played miserably like I figured that game would be. But, um, I, I, you know, Rodgers doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I think he's only thrown two interceptions all year. Um, at home, I, I don't see Green Bay making a lot of mistakes that some of these teams have done um, to sort of inflate Miami on the year. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they win uh, comfortably. And I, I definitely, you know, I I, I, I kind of would agree with you on the under. I think I could see it being lower scoring, but I'd probably be more apt to lay the ten with Green Bay 
Um, or, you know, again, maybe throw them in sort of a teaser line where you get them at less than a touchdown. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't think there will be a lot of mistakes made that will kind of give the advantage to Miami, especially at Lambeau. Mm. I am going to ask Andy an interesting question as we get down to a later game here. Let's keep moving down the card though. Uh, Jags and the Colts is a tough one for me to find an edge on. I think, uh, there's a case to be made that the Jaguars, are not totally dead, uh, but there's also a lot of quit. And when you read the news clippings and you hear about what people are talking about in that locker room, they don't love Blake Bortles. They're ready to move on. Uh, Blake Bortles himself is a little injured. It's not exactly a guarantee that he's going to be out there. Andrew Luck has gotten some chemistry and he's clicking, but uh, his defense is pretty suspect in all all aspects of uh, defending the ball. And so if any team's going to give up points to the Jags, it's probably the Colts. Uh, I can't really find an edge here, but I'm curious uh, – uh, do you, Andy, do you think, um, one, is this a lose or lose down match? Uh, and two, who loses, who, lo- who loses and who leaves down? We've talked so much about like the Colts schedule and this, this division in general, as far as like, it, it's still pretty wide open, even with the Texans somehow, some way, somehow just running off a bunch of wins, even though they probably shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, they're getting gifted wins by bad coaching decisions on the other side. I mean, we, I was on Denver. That felt icky to lose that game. But, uh, I mean, we talked about, again, going back to we talked about Indianapolis's schedule. They have five of six divisional games left. They're not dead. The offense is really clicking. And if you're if you're the coach, which Reich, you, uh, that's, that's kind of the pep talk you got to have with the team right now. Like, hey, you know, we didn't really know what the season was going to be all about. It wasn't. It was kind of rocky to start with, but our our division isn't that great. Like we can still, the the schedule's weak as shit. We can run the table, pull a Aaron Rodgers relax thing here, and and get something done, get into the playoffs. You know, and it might not be the Super Bowl run, but you definitely you definitely have a good shot to win the division. So I think they're they're going to be a feisty team. Um. And then I just can't figure out what the fuck's wrong with Jacksonville. That makes no sense. I mean, uh, I guess we we shit on Dallas enough to make a little sense of that that game, but Jacksonville's offense disappears for big chunks of time, and then the defense is nothing like it was last year. So uh, as much as I don't want to – Indy's defense is pretty awful too. They gave up, what, 28 to the, uh, to the Raiders. I don't know how much I want to – Go getting in bed with the Colts. I probably won't bet this, but I'd, I'd lean the Colts in the points right now. Just, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get their points. I like it. I like it. Uh, who? Uh, yeah, I guess if you had to say one of these teams is still feisty to either pick up that six wild card or catch the fraudulent Texans, who's it going to be, Jay? I kind of tend to agree um, with Andy a little bit here that I think, you know, Indy's offense is clicking enough to, to probably get this game done. Um, I, I, whoever wins this game is actually, I think pretty sexy with these, with both these teams remaining schedules. I think they will be pretty sexy to actually have some value to maybe win this division Um, because uh, what it, you said, Indianapolis still has five of their six divisional games. And I think Jacksonville has like four. Um, and uh, when I was looking, I think it was Jacksonville schedule. Um, you know, they had, 
God, they had the Dolphins on there. Um, you know, they had another game against Indy at home. Um, sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But it, and then I know that Indy has you know the Giants and the Cowboys both at home on their schedule. I think they play five of their last eight games at home. So you got it. You, you know, got it. That, I yeah. I I just think that you know if you like Indy in this game maybe it's worth running out there and putting a 12 to one to win the division. Cause you know, they're, you know, they're going to have, you know, plenty of games that are winnable. Like I said, it, I don't think anybody in this division is very strong. And so with all these divisional games left between these teams, if someone gets hot and I, I would think it might be Indy's defense, Jacksonville's made tons of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think they're like dead last in turnover differential. If not, it's it's double digits in the negative on the year. Um, so m- maybe they they get some, you know, they start to play a little bit more air free football. But I think I think I actually probably, you know, maybe lean towards Indy in this game, but maybe Jacksonville going forward for the season. I don't know. It, it's tough. I I have Indianapolis under six and a half wins on the year, so. Um, I, you know, at some point I'm going to try to maybe stake going the other way as a little bit of insurance, but, um, I, I like them in this game. I, I think, I think they have enough offense to get it done. Mm-hmm. AJ Bouye out for, uh, the Jags helps things too. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Leonard Fournette may be back in the mix. Uh, we've seen at times when they try to reintegrate Fournette, things don't always go correctly. So, uh, yeah, I'm capping this one 24-20 Colts. I wanted to get involved with the Colts. I wanted to play the under. In the end, I'm staying away, and we will um, we will ride out uh, a little Colts uh, long shot lotto ticket we took a couple weeks ago. Uh, see if they can't get back in the mix. I like the way you broke that down. Let's talk uh, Lions-Bears for a hot second here. Um, and... Mostly, I'm interested to hear Andy tell me, uh, when do we start to fade the Bears? Uh, they, we, we were exactly in line with the Redskins last week, I feel like, kind of being prepared to sell. Uh, we were advocating for grab some Eagles to win the East. Um, you know, it, it, it was the right time. Uh, is the right time for the Bears now, or is it coming up in the coming weeks? Oh, pulling up their schedule without even pulling up their schedule. I know it gets a little tougher. This is, uh, this is not it yet. I don't think. No week 11. They're in prime time against your boys. Yeah. That's that's going to be, that's going to be a good, a very good matchup. They got a Vikings. They got a Vikings sandwich between the lions here. It's lions, Vikings, lions. I would think the bears, unless Nagy naggies it up, and pull something silly like he has. I mean, just look at their schedule. They get the Lions. To, they should beat the Lions. Lions have proven they're not a great team. So, And the, the 49ers with all the injuries, they do have a schedule where they can probably still somehow win this division if they can split with Minnesota. All the, And go back and look at Minnesota historically at Soldier Field. It's not great. So if the Bears sweep the Lions, split with Minnesota, and can get it done with the Giants and Niners, I mean you can you can lose your games against the Rams and Packers, and one against the Vikings, and still have a pretty decent record, make the playoffs. It's a uh, it's not the toughest road to hoe, I guess. I mean Minnesota's very good, the Rams are very good, and the Packers are a decent team. 
I don't know if there's a time to really fade him. There, there'll probably be spots to fade him if we get some good numbers against him. But hmm. yeah, th- this is not the week. I, I'm not um, maybe advocating laying all the points, but boy, I think they're going to get it done at home against Detroit. Detroit has looked uh, lost, sketchy, but yeah, a little lost at times. That's probably fair. Interesting. Uh, Jay, you going to take a position on this one? Or uh, I guess, you know, and, and really, we've seen the total dip down a little bit. We've seen a little bit of Detroit money come in. Uh, my initial reaction when I saw Chicago was seven-point favorites was, this is ridiculous. How can you make this game point seven points? But again, you know, nothing positive coming out of Detroit in terms of player coach statements, you know, anything at all. The in the Golden Tate, uh, moving, moving him off last week was a huge, uh, huge um, you know, tone killer in the locker room for the Detroit uh, offense. And I don't know whether they bounce back this week or later in the season, if at all. Um, how do you approach Chicago, Detroit? Yeah, I, I think this line probably moves to seven at some point would be my guess. Um, and if it moves to seven, I would probably actually lean to Detroit. I think this might be a little bit of a trap game, divisional game. I could see it being tight. Um, I, I know that last week the offense looked extremely flat uh, for Detroit, and but you know they they still have some playmakers. Uh, you know, Carry On Johnson's having a great season. Um, I I just could see them definitely hanging within the number if it does get to seven. I'm a little iffy with it being at six and a half, but if it gets to seven, I think I would lean Detroit. Um, on this one, but and nothing. I haven't played anything yet. I'm gonna kind of wait and see what happens. Um, but yeah, maybe the under as well. Just you know, Chicago's defense. Detroit looked really flat on offense. The under might not be bad. I, I could just see it maybe being a little bit lower scoring. But at times, Detroit's defense has looked horrible. But I think this is the game they show up for, knowing that um, you know this is a game they have to have if they want to compete going against the division leader. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, what's his face? Stafford got put on his ass ten times last week, not including yeah. hits. And that was surprising. Pressure was really like, surprising. I mean, he, that was. I want to give that be, to Mini. You you give that more to Mini's uh, defense, Andy, or the offensive line just absolutely no should for some reason. Oh, probably call it seventy thirty. Minnesota's defensive line. Okay. Neil, I was wondering Neil about Hunter. that. I've been wondering. Neil Hunter is not only the sacks leader, but he is tied with uh, Donald for tackles for loss as far as leading the NFL. He is quickly turning into a man among boys while he's still pretty fucking young. Okay. Well, let's talk about a team that's a man among a boy that is their opponent this week, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs, who host the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, This is the second time this season we have seen a line of 16 and a half. The first time was memorably uh, the Minnesota Vikings when they hosted the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Here we go again. Your your audio is not (laughs) Here we go again. I tried hard. I have a very tough time coming up with um, a way that this is a fair line. I think Cardinals-Chiefs is probably a 14-point game, no matter how you slice it. Um, And uh, I kind of – I dabbled with, I thought about, I talked myself down three times from actually hitting submit on a Cardinals ticket. I'm going to skip this one, even though I think there's probably a free two, two two-and-a-half points – uh, on the Cardinals, but again, what is two and a half points when a line is 16 and a half, really, you know? Uh, and so, uh, good luck to anyone who decides to bet this one. I have no clue if the total is reasonable or not. 
Uh, I know that there are a lot of um, terrible coaches on the sidelines in Arizona and a lot of amazing coaches on the sidelines in the Chiefs. Uh, I've decided I'm going to stop betting on particularly poorly coached teams. So this is a skip. Um, Jay, what do you think of these Chiefs being an AFC West guy? And how do they get this schedule that they get the Browns and the freaking Cardinals back to back when other teams are out there just getting grinded up to pieces? Well, they, you know, they, they just had a pretty tough schedule at the beginning of the year. They were all front loaded and they, they had a lot of their lighter games sort of towards the back end, which is the even scarier part of them being eight and one right now. Um, on a, on a note of a team that I was a hundred percent wrong on. Well, I wouldn't say a hundred percent wrong on cause I actually did like Kansas city to win the division. Um, but I, thought that they would come out and just look sluggish the first three weeks. I think I even was saying that this team would be lucky to be three and three, <laughs> um, you know, through their first <laughs> yeah. six games. Yeah, but, you're right. Their you know, schedule was so hard. Yeah, I mean, but Jacksonville ended up, you know, obviously not really competing in that game. You know, they, they gave New England a hell of a game. Denver ended up not beating them at home like I thought they probably would do and should have done if Vance Joseph wasn't in the league. But, um but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Kansas City just looks so potent on offense. It, it's a thing to me that, on you know, their defense is pretty bad. So, I, you know, I, I, I have no – I'm not even concerned that they're going to mess it up in the postseason with Andy Reid. A defense like that will not play in January. It's just so bad. But, um, you know, they're playing exciting football for Chiefs fans. They're, you know, definitely – looking at a buy, um, you know, if they can, with the schedule that they have in front of them, I, I think it's very feasible to think that 14 and two is, is a possibility. And if they can get to 14 and two, that may be good enough to be able to host, um, you know, to get the one seed and potentially maybe host Tom Brady later in the year. But, um, but I, I kind of have them around 13 and three and with them not owning the tiebreaker against them, I, I think they'll have to go to Foxborough. It's just sort of my gut feeling on them going forward. But in regards to this game, um, I, I don't really have an opinion. I, I typically, when I see 17 points in an NFL game, I, I want to go, I want to go with the, the dog as well, but um, there's just no way I could play Arizona in this spot, especially at Arrowhead. I, I, I you know, Kansas city, you know, I, I could see them, you know, maybe, score 40 in this game pretty comfortably. I, I, you know, Denver scored 41 against Arizona. So yeah, I'm dying to hear someone make a really strong case for the Cardinals. Like this is like an obvious easy pick for Cardinals back to Cardinals game of the year type of thing. But I think you remember what you remember what I said earlier in the week. No, no. Perfect. I never recommend these. These are sucker bets. You're not getting the value for the points you're giving up or the, the price you're paying, but this would be a funny one to do a 10 point teaser on and take yeah. the Cardinals at like plus 27 and Yo, just hold on and watch that melt away as they lose like 35 to three. It's not the only double digit spread we got this week, Andy. Uh, no. What do you, what, what about the, uh, the Raiders hosting the chargers, this Raiders team, absolute travesty. Uh, are we talking, you know, between the chargers chiefs, we talked about the, Patriots. We talked about the uh, the Packers. I mean, what's a what's a Pats Pack uh, Chiefs Chargers money line parlay payout? Probably even money. A little better than that. Ask me how I know. 
<laughs> How do you know? Yeah, exactly. I didn't actually know you bet that, but it, I was. I mean, which which ones did you just crazy? Bust? Patriots, Packers, Chiefs, and Chargers. Um. Okay. Patriots, Packers, Chargers, Rams. Oh, that's Pay, okay. Pays like plus one twenty-five. I, I don't like the Rams in that one, but we'll get to that game in a hot second. Oh, they're not uh, going to lose straight up. Uh, we'll get to that game in a second. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, char- char- Chargers, Chiefs, Packers, and Patriots. I, I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know who of these teams is in any way, shape, or form uh, likely to get beaten. Um, I can't find an angle in this Chargers Raiders game. I'm not laying as many points as they're asking for the Chargers, even though they're clearly the better team and they likely win easily. It's just too much with Anthony Lynn. We saw what happened when he was a huge favorite against San Francisco earlier this season. They played down to their opponent. They won, squeaked out a win by two. This is a divisional matchup. The Raiders and the Chargers hate each other. I can go on and on and on uh, why it's not worthy backing a side here. Uh, And similarly with the total, you don't know if this is going to turn into a competitive you know, shootout, or if it's just going to be a a stinker again from this Raiders offense, who we've seen score three points twice. Great job, John Gruden. Uh, Jay, I'll ask you: Do you have any fear about the Raiders over the next five years under the the Gruden regime? Oh, absolutely not. I, 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 I was wondering about his contract, like what like the exit clauses are, and I was actually going to look into that this week, and I never got around to it, but. Um, yeah, if Gruden's there, I'm. I have no worries, and actually, I have no worries that they are going to absolutely screw up three first-round picks next year. Um, they're going, they're going to have two awful picks with those three picks. They might maybe pull out one good one, uh, but talk about a team that can't draft, can't draft in the first round. Other outside of Khalil Mack and probably a good decade and a half. Um, and they get three of them next year, and they might all actually be pretty early. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting draft next year to see them screw those up. But, yeah, I have no concerns with them um, at all just being a disaster, and I, I love I love it right now, especially I, where we're sitting. I love, this. <laughs> I love to see this within the division. Okay. Uh, Andy, are the Chargers the best uh, money line uh, leg over the ones we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, what is it? I'm looking at, I have a decimals. It's funny, like Rams, Chargers, and Packers are all pretty similar, but Oakland appears to have kind of quit a little. I think they're they're ready to, uh, maybe some of those players aren't quite bought into the Gruden system yet. They're awful quitty right now. So I think, yeah, this is a not lock of the century money line play, but it's like we talk about with the chargers. It doesn't matter if they're on the road. They don't have a home field advantage. They play all road games all season long. It's not that far from uh, LA up to Oakland. Nope. So uh, I'm not going to go laying the points, but yeah, if if you want to throw this in a money line parlay, if you like teasing down big favorites, I don't see a situation where rivers doesn't. I honestly, what do we got? 50. So you're talking 25 plus five. Raiders team total is going to be right around 30. That's a little high, I guess. No, Still, they, the Raiders? They, they, the Raiders? They, no, 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 no. I meant Chargers, excuse me. Chargers yeah, yeah, charge would be 30. Yeah, yeah. 30 to 20 is implied. 30 to 20, yeah. So, the, yeah, I'd almost lean the over in this game. I'm probably staying away from this one altogether, but I think the Chargers probably get 31, 35 points. So. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Jay, closing arguments? I. 
I I lean I lean the other way. I like the under in this game. I just mm. I I haven't seen I haven't seen enough from the Raiders offense. This is a divisional game. I, I do think the Raiders might show a little bit more spark, um, you know, than they have shown over the last couple of weeks. But I, you know, the Chargers could very well get thirty. But I I feel like if they do, um, there's no way Oakland's gonna get twenty. I, I so I I I just think fifty is too high for this game. Um, uh, especially from what you've seen offensively out of Oakland. I, um, I, I don't know. I, I would lean the under on this game more than anything. Interesting. Okay. Let's get into the game of the week. In my opinion, Seahawks, Seahawks Rams. Uh, this one is the prototype throw out the records. In my opinion, uh, I think these teams play each other extremely competitively. Uh, we this is a rematch of a game we saw several weeks ago uh, where the Seahawks were hosting the Rams in Seattle and gave them an extremely tough test. Uh, it took some gutsy calls by McVeigh down the stretch to put that game away to keep Seattle from coming back and stealing that win. Uh, and Seattle now heads down to L.A. for the rematch. Uh, I don't understand why this is in any way, shape or form as high a line as they hung initially plus 10. I'm selling that all the way down to plus eight and a half to get plus 104 odds. I think Seattle is a very live dog here. It's amazing to me that we're basically talking about the same point spread with Chargers Raiders as we are with Seahawks Rams, uh, except for the Seahawks absolutely are trying to win this game against and have a legitimate capable playoff caliber team and the Raiders absolutely do not. So go, go figure but uh, I'm all about backing the Seahawks in this spot here, and I think they keep this thing very close to the bitter end. Uh, the Rams just came off a heartbreaker on the road, uh, streak smasher, uh, slump. You know, they, they are potentially going to get into a little bit of a slump here, in my opinion. Uh, and so uh, Seahawks, live dogs. Uh, and Andy does not like that pick because – he laid seven with the Rams earlier in the season, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if you think that they clean Seattle's clocks. Yeah, 10, 10 and a half. That's a lot of points. I've I've kind of just scared myself away from backing any chalky, chalky, big, big chalk, especially on the road. Or no, it's oh yeah, this is in LA. Oh yeah. This is in LA. Yeah. Rams by 300. No, oh, uh, Rams, Rams, uh, pass defense, <laughs> little suspect. I think, uh, Seattle gets theirs. This is another, I'm, I'm, I'm just an over guy this week, apparently, but, uh, seems a little low. Rams are going to get theirs and the Rams defense has been sketchy against any decent pass offense. I mean, Peters looks yeah. just lost at times. So I, I definitely, I lean, I think probably Rams get it done, but don't cover. It does feel like one of those games. This is a finally, finally a week where the spread will come into play on some of these because they're just such big numbers. You mm-hmm. feel like the favorites probably, you could see all these favorites get it done and none of them cover. Wouldn't oh yeah. That be, yeah. That would be a, uh, I wonder if you could parlay all four money lines with all four dog spreads. Yes, yeah. our, our friend, <laughs> our, our our friend Pino would never hear would never uh, hear the end of it because he's um, just been going on and on. That's it's uh, all, every game last week. The spread didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, basically, money line winner covered the spread in all eleven contests. And I, you know, after the beating the books took, I mean, there's a chance that all of these favorites are are inflated. You know, they they clearly adjusted up. 
uh, you know, into the favorite direction in all of these big contests from what I saw with look at headlines. This is a great example. Uh, in no way did I expect to see a 10 here. Uh, and eight feels like a reasonable number. Seven feels seven and a half feels reasonable. Uh, getting eight and a half at plus one Oh four is about as the best I could ask for. I really like this look a lot and I'm prepared to uh, be proven wrong, but the Seattle defense uh, is coming on a little bit. They're showing a little spunk. I know that the chargers took care of them last week, um, but they have some players. They can make some plays and uh, I'd like to see them keep this competitive. Um, Jay, am I talking you into the Seahawks here or am I, uh, am I missing something about the way these teams match up? No, I, I like everything, you know, Seattle offensively all of a sudden seems to be clicking. I know they had some red zone issues last week um, that, you know, inevitably ended up costing them the game. But, um, you know, I, I, I sort of like Andy's look on the over and I definitely like your side with Seattle. Um, you sort of talked me into him a little bit, but I, I, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to fire on that in this game. But yeah, if, if this is any resemblance, of what we've seen from Seattle's offense and what we've seen from the Rams defense, I think Seattle can stay within this number. Um, and I think it'll, I don't know if it'll be 33, 31, like it was the first time, but um, you know, I definitely think you'll probably see one team get to 30 um, and you know, the other one won't be too far behind. So I like it within 10. Okay. I like it. Let's roll down one, uh, but I'm going to incorporate a little conversation here. Uh, Andy, I haven't heard, or seen or kind of gleaned from you if there is a good two-team Wong teaser this week. Maybe instead of playing a teaser this week, you're going to post that uh, Moneyline Parlay. But uh, if the Rams get bet down to eight and a half, if the Eagles get bet up to eight, eight and a half, uh, do those make a nice little parlay pair? And uh, how do you approach Eagles, Cowboys in general? Even at seven and a half, that's a Wong teaser. Okay. You go through seven and three. If if the Eagles are at seven and a half and and God, I was actually looking at this. There's another one. I was <laughs> uh I if the Patriots do get that out and both the Eagles and Patriots end up at like seven and a half or eight, I don't see how I won't be on that. That's there's really uh you know, the other side of it's like one and a half, two, two and a half. There's not a lot of lines that are gonna be tickling two and a half. I don't no. see Indy getting bet. Maybe Indy gets bet down and you can take Jacksonville no a plus. No or that's it's, it. it's, yeah, that, three. that thing's at three. That thing yeah, sits at three. They're probably going to sit tight there. So if you do do a, a long teaser, you're probably looking for some seven and a halfs, whether you're betting Chicago down, Indy down, or uh, New England down, Philly down. If there is some Seattle money that takes the Rams to eight and a half or any of those 10-point teams, if they, if they get uh, – Hard money. It's not, especially once you cross ten. It's not hard to move from nine and a half to eight and a half. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Philly. Philly's definitely on the short list for teasers. Um, I've bet them a couple times now. To once to cover my Dallas to win the division bet, and the other time just because I think they're going to win the division. The prices, <laughs> the prices haven't gotten high enough fast enough. So yeah. I talked. I talked with that when I talked to Pina last week on his podcast. Like it's just, it just feels like they should be double and triple dipping into that. They've got, they've you know, they've tasted success. They know what they're doing, and honestly, the the biggest stopper to Philly winning the division right now is the Redskins, just based on the record that they already have, and. Mm-hmm. And they just the cluster entries are going to be so hard on them. So, yeah, yeah, Philly. I think Philly gets it done at home. 
in division. That'll be a big win as far as everything else goes for playoff positioning. And yeah, I, I, I probably will be teasing that one if it ends up at seven and a half. Interesting. Uh, Jay, I haven't heard. I mean, we know the contrarians got absolutely smoked last week. Like people who just play contrarian situational narratives, like they got the floor cleaned. Uh, they, you know, they got they got the floor wiped with them last week. Um, is there a contrarian angle on Dallas in this game? This was supposed to be around a five six point spread. It ended up opening at six and a half. It's bet out to seven and a half. Is this just too many points? And you know, you got to look for Dallas to keep it competitive here because I mean, the heat is on. The heat is is. Uh, is turning up on Jason Garrett. The Dallas Cowboys have underachieved this year. They've already fired an offensive line coordinator. It didn't fix anything. Um, guys, you know, Garrett's traveling to the World Series in L.A. in the bye week instead of getting, you know, things fixed on the offense. They absolutely need a performance here uh, to kind of cool things off. Uh, you know, is is uh, is the world sleeping on the Cowboys or is it really as, as dead as it seemed last week on Monday Night Football? I, you know, I think Dallas is, is in trouble. I, I don't think it's a good team, but I, I'm not really blown away with Philadelphia and, and what we've seen from them offensively in particular. Um, you know, I just, that Carolina game will stick with me for a little bit with them, just to how they literally gave that game away with, with just not being able to produce any offense to get it done. Um, it, I'm not a, like a typically like a contrarian guy, but, um, you know, inevitably the contrarian will come back and it's going to probably come back with a vengeance, whether it's this week, next week or the week <laughs> after, um, you know, Vegas will get their money back. Let's be real. So, um, uh, you know, I, I would definitely, uh, avoid Philly, but I have a hell of a time. I have a hell of a time playing Dallas. This to me, when I look at this game, if I'm looking for an angle, um, it's a divisional primetime game um, in what could be sort of a, a sluggish defensive game to start the game. I, I probably lean first half under in this game if I had to pick a side. Interesting. Andy, uh, Dallas contrarian, uh, is there a, is there, a, is there, a, are people, I don't think I've ever, okay, here, here, cut to the chase. I don't think I've ever seen Dallas get this little support. In a, especially in a primetime game. And granted, maybe people just wait to bet the game until uh, closer to you know Sunday night football once they know how the rest of their bets go on Sunday. But uh, still, it's it's surprising that no one is really out there making a case for the Cowboys. You know, where, where do you stand? Their offensive coordinator sucks worse than their coach. Like they they don't know how to use what they have, and I don't think they're going to improve much this year. They've had some very pathetic performances, and, you know, even if you're not totally sold on the Eagles, I don't think you could go, well, you know, maybe if you want to take a shitload of points, but it's still on the road. I don't see an angle to back Dallas here. They just they seem a little lost in the woods on offense, and, uh, you know, Philly getting some pieces back. <sighs> It seems like the side to me here. I I can't I can't. Maybe part of me it's because I really want to see Dallas fail, so they do finally have to fire their coach because I feel like they could <laughs> like they're wasting they're wasting some talent. Zeke's really good. Dak could be better. They have a good offensive line. Uh, I mean they they need to just get rid of Lenahan and probably Garrett and start from scratch with somebody with a little creativity. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I am 
taking, I guess, a, a bit of a contrarian angle here in that I am backing the over. Over 43 in this one for me. Uh, these two teams, as you go back through the years, you um, they know how to attack each other on offense. Uh, and I think Philly's defense is susceptible to, um, you know, to certain elements of attack. Uh, I think Philly's offense is going to look impressive. Their pieces are healthy. Uh, they get Darren Sproles back. They get some offensive tackles back. I think they can move the ball. I think they can score on this Dallas defense. Uh, you flip the script. I think Dallas as a desperate team is going to put everything that they have on the table in terms of offense to try to score points, to try to stay in this game, to try to steal a win, to try to save their season. Uh, so over 43 for me, that's just too low. Um, I don't think this is the same sort of setup as we would see if this exact game was played earlier in the season uh, where and and the situation was a little bit less dire for the Cowboys. Uh, and maybe you see sort of a typical their deep, their offense gets stoned. Um, but uh, so 43 for me is the look here too low when you're talking about a dynamic offense like the Philly, the Philadelphia Eagles and a defense that is that can concede some points um, and uh should be a fun, should be a fun Sunday night game. I'm kind of excited for it. Uh, more excited than I expected. That's for sure. I thought I was going to dread every single Cowboys primetime game, but I'm a little excited for this one. Um, you guys ready to wrap this up? Yeah. yeah but- bedtime. Good job. Good pod, guys. Um, that was a hell of a lot of fun. Thank you so much for, for, uh, for joining us, Jay. Always love talking to you. Um, and, uh, keep, keep, uh, um, keep us uh, posted for uh, when you got some hot takes on college basketball later on this season, and we'll bring you back on and do a little bit of catching up on that. Uh, and uh, sorry about your Broncos this season, but appreciate all your insight. Let's uh, have a great uh, let's have a great week ten, guys. Hell yeah, man! Best of luck, Andy. Oh yeah. <laughs>